I'm going to have to look that up. It's Aloha Friday. No work till Monday. Well, Aloha Friday, everyone. Been a while since I've been able to do an episode with some Aloha Friday froth tribute goodness. I am recording this on a beautiful Friday afternoon, northern suburbs of Brisbane. The autumn is upon us, (laughs) which means it's still beautiful for me. It's a little bit cooler, but we're getting some really nice breezes, and you do notice the temperature difference. And I even remember from uh, speaking of the Aloha days in Hawaii where in the autumn and winter, if you could call it that, you get some cooler winter weather for Hawaii anyway. Uh, breezes, cooler at night, definitely up in the hills and on the windward side of the island. So it's it's a noticeable change in temperature and people don't necessarily expect it if they're not from there. So it's, it's a bit surprising, but for most of you, it is definitely not what you would think of as winter weather. Maybe winter on a tropical island. Anyway, getting off the point, suffice to say, I'm enjoying it. And a few other things we've been enjoying. It's been a busy week getting back to work, especially after last week for the end of term break, we had a bit of a, a holiday and got off of this big island to another smaller island, which was really nice. Have not traveled for a vacation with the family uh, in years. I mean, obviously, we did a big extended travel that turned into just extended mobile living, uh, which was extended mobile stationary living in COVID. And then we have traveled over to here. So we're, we're fortunate. But uh, in addition to the two, it's been two, maybe three business trips I've done, and doing the the quarantine times. Uh, First trip that we traveled where it felt closer to normal and was nice. And definitely nice, I know, for my my partner, my son, to get away and have a bit of a vacation. So that was good. Uh, We had planned to do a little bit of 5e playing, but actually spent more time, one, just relaxing. I had a book that I had been dying to finish, which I think may turn into a topic for a later podcast. A little bit of a book review, so I'm going to save that. That's what I'm told is a teaser, but for my one fan out there, you got to make sure you've got all your personalities aligned for that one. And my son was was doing some pleasure reading, decompressing. Uh, We did play a lot of games, but they were uh, mostly Cribbage and Five Crowns, a card game we like. And I I actually... um, don't know if this is a, I wouldn't say this is controversial at all, because I know most gamers and the ones who listen to this probably enjoy a variety of games, so tabletop, card, computer, but cribbage has been a mainstay for me for a long time. In fact, I remember in high school, a lot of the gaming nights that we used to have quickly shifted just some cards. We'd do cribbage, obviously we did poker. Uh, we used to play pinochle, spades as well, and hearts. Those are the big ones. But cribbage definitely, and cribbage in the Navy days was big. One of the easiest things to rip out after after watch, after a meal, if you had a little bit of time to kill, uh, which was not often, but that was kind of nice. Also because it didn't take too long to, to start and easily disbanded when, when things went awry. So we did that. Didn't really get much back into 5e, but I spent some time prepping, spent some time reading books. And uh, we did uh, lots of swimming and had some modified uh, beach 
actually not beach, I should correct that, pool volleyball, which turned into pool water polo with some of the staff and the other kids there, uh, which turned into a bit of uh, almost like pool water polo rugby, which was actually pretty fun. And I think for, at least for most of the kids in attendance, me and then the other guy who was running the game as well, um, it was kind of nice to get back in a little bit of a vacation mode, or at least everybody there could be, you know, on and mingling and, and playing around, so a good time. But now that I'm back and, and catching up on work, which is, as everybody knows, <laughs> takes a lot of time, uh, looking forward to doing some more gaming. I know in terms of we'll do some announcements up front in May. So coming up is another one of the Goodman games in the the Empire of the Cyclops, I guess. Well, that was the, one of the last ones, but, uh, you know, in the in the Empire in which the Cyclops, she reigns supreme, uh, they're having one of their cons coming up. And they're actually really, really good time. Um, the biggest draw for me, and I think I've talked about this, is, is just making sure that on the weekend that it happens, I've got time set up to sit in front of the computer. And uh, as many of you probably find, depending on what you do for your work and depending on what you may do for, you know, elsewhere, it just, it starts to conflict with maybe some other free time when you can get outside. So uh, we're going to see if I can sign up. But for those of you playing along at home, it is the 13th through the 15th of May, online Romance of the Cyclops Con. Usually a great con, you know, minimal to get in, great games are run. I ran a few last time. I would love to. I'm actually waiting to see with a couple of competing interests, waiting on business travel schedule to finalize for May. Also, we've got Saturday hockey games now that I need to leave free. But if it's getting closer, I can still sign up and I can find some uh, free time and I'm at home, especially for my son because he enjoys playing, uh, we'll get some DCC games in. Uh, Or 5e. Or just about anything. They don't discriminate. But I know everybody wants to play DCC. Or maybe MCC. Um, Other topics for the week. So there is some big breaking 5e D&D news from Wizards of the Coast. I won't go into detail here uh, other than to say it. I know it showed up in a lot of different places. So surprise how <laughs> how easy it was, but of course with algorithms and analytics. I'm not surprised from that standpoint, but just the word that gets out. And the short version for those who care, for my, my fan who cares, Spelljammer is coming back. And Dragonlance. Spelljammer... I'm, I'm interested, never actually played it. So just interested, don't know about a 5e or, or equivalent. I played a Crawl Jammer DCC game, which was pretty cool, and I think evoked some of the maybe D&D and space feeling. But the bigger one that I'm actually, actually excited about is Dragonlance. So we'll see what happens, but there you go. That's, that's your news. New, news of the day, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, but... Yeah, some of the bigger news. So real quick, your your Aloha Froth Friday. Um, we're going to spotlight something, and it's one of those things that it's up, maybe because of legal loopholes. I don't know. I am not an attorney. Uh, I am not part of the internet police either. People do what they would like. Uh, my stance is you should be supporting game designers and games that you like, and everybody knows what that means. But... For some of the dead games, as we've talked about, and depending on who had what license, one of the games that has slipped through the cracks quite a bit, and I'm positive I've mentioned it, and it's on other other podcasts been talked about, but if you are a fan of the Marvel superheroes game, the TSR version, mid-80s, 
And this was one that came out that I can say I bought quickly and did not know it was coming, which actually is probably not true. I had probably seen actually the advertisements in comic books because I remember them. But I think when I actually saw it at the, the hobby store, you know, the hobby store where you bought... We bought models of airplanes and cars that you would glue together and paint, and they had some other things. I think they had a radio-controlled aircraft section then, which, which was really cool. It was a little bit beyond us. They might have had some model rockets as well, and then they had a few war games and other things, some tabletop war game miniatures, and then, of course, the RPG section, and they had copies of this, and I remember seeing it. I want to say it was somewhere between 10 or maybe $13, 1984, 85, can't remember. Anyway, uh, I remember buying the yellow box and playing it quite a bit. It moved aside. We had been playing Star Frontiers and a little bit of D&D, uh, Basic Expert, whatever we modified it to, but I remember playing this quite a bit. And I remember playing both the Adventure in the Box and then we quickly adapted some comic book adventures, so I remember having a lot of different Secret Wars themed adventures because you could mix up characters, and that was about the time, at least when we were playing it, that had been out. I can't remember if it was before, dur- I mean, I'm sorry, if it was after or during, but anyway, and I know in particular for me, I picked up some of the supplements, so a lot of this is, is nostalgia looking back, and not necessarily getting into game design too much. I think the main thing that I just wanted to to, to hit on this, and I'll tell you why the inspiration is coming up. Many many can guess. But uh, the reason this came up, I guess twofold. Um, it is not a surprise to many that you will find a lot of these readily available online, at least, and that fan content continues to be created for them, which is really important because, again, there have been other games, and the, here's the, the leak on the inspiration. There's a new Marvel game coming. But you can go and not only find the old PDFs, but probably more interesting is you can see how people have continued to adapt it for new characters, for updated characters, things you might find in the MCU, which just I think is neat. And I think it just shows kind of from a fan standpoint, the love for this. And it's one of those things that, you know, you go to the website and you can see it's available. And it's, it's kind of amazing because again, it's a, it's a totally free game system. Uh, and it continues to live from from the fans, which which to me is always a good thing. And you know, at some point, it it may go. Um, hopefully, it doesn't, or at least the spirit around it, because there have been other versions, and there'll be a new Marvel game, and I'm sure it will do well. And I don't know that it's necessarily going to. I don't know that having these out there are going to cause too much competition, primarily because I think most of the people who are looking at these are people that had bought, played it, had the set discarded, and, you know, it really lives as a, as a fan tribute right now, and I'm positive that since Marvel is doing this, I believe, I need to get the fan to correct me, I believe they're doing it kind of on, you know, under the Marvel umbrella, it's not licensed out to anybody probably have some big plans and the way that it looks like they're rolling it out I, I have some I, I have some personal issues with but to be honest from a business standpoint I think makes a lot of sense for what they're trying to build and I can't really fault as part of the Marvel Empire how well they've done uh, one other thing at least when it came out I was not as much of a Marvel follower as I was DD, uh, excuse me, DD, uh, DC growing up. So my first 
real comics that I followed were all DC. I mean, obviously, different versions of Batman, because that was a big one. But The Flash I got into and Justice League were kind of the main ones that I followed. And that even continued into middle school. And I really enjoyed Spider-Man, but had only gotten a few comics. And then X-Men were really the big one for me in, in Marvel. But followed them off and on. So I never had the same affinity, and, and I even found that when the Marvel Universe movies came out, I never had the same affinity maybe for the Avengers or you know, definitely not Captain America, Iron Man, and the and the series of characters that, that others did, mostly because my my comics were, were DC and other than X-Men and, and a few random things, just never followed it. But I know that when I got the game, it, it changed that. And so really the game, although I recognized most, I think the game drew me a little more. And I know in particular, I really enjoyed getting the, I think the Avengers supplement. That was the first time I really, really started to get into what the heck the Avengers were. And of course, the, the mutant supplements. And I remember the X-Men Adventure, that first one, pretty well. So... So yes, yeah, so that's some of the origins. Um, not really to do a full review. Um, most of you may either know, but it was pretty easy to play. So as I was saying, it's a pretty easy system to run cinematic, maybe you'd call it these days, I'm not sure. And I think it's been discussed elsewhere that this was really the, I mean, I was in the age demographic that we're looking for. You know, middle school kids, young kids. So, you know, I know that uh, in listening to some other reviews, there have been comments about it may have turned off older gamers, and there were obviously other games that were crunchier or maybe more advanced. And TSR did come out with an advanced set later on. I wasn't playing by then, but it is what it is. And I think it also really just captured that it could be quick play. I happen to like the universal table. I think at the time, and I have different views now, but the percentile dice system just rolling kind of against these, you know, the face rip <laughs> stats, you know, to, to do your action and having that simple resolution, seeing that you could shift it either way. It's, it's not a, people may say it's not the best design concept. I, I don't know. It's, it's easy and straightforward. And then obviously it's got its limitations. But for the mindset and how I approached it, and again, as I said, we, we would make characters, we'd play. We had the, the Day of the Octopus. I know the X-Men adventure. I think one of my friends had another adventure. But we were really early on, so there weren't many modules. But you could obviously see a pattern that the modules would come out, introduce different characters, then you'd have the source books with the characters. And as I said, we really would just rip stories from comic books. It's interesting. So I'll get now to really the motivation. So what, what brought this back for me, a couple things. Every now and then I, I, I remember it or, or get prompted by it, especially because of the amount of resources online and the fan interest that's still there. Of course, it's an older system. I've talked about it with my son. At one point, I'll probably run it with him because he seems very interested. He's more interested in the Marvel stuff now uh, that he's a little bit older. Obviously, with the movies and everything else, once you're buying into the Disney Marvel Empire. But it is old. You have to print. 
unless you have your old box and supplements, which I don't anymore. But I think the thing that, that really you know prompted all of this, other than the memories every now and then, was on Jason's Nerds RPG Variety Cast. He got himself a hold of the new Marvel role-playing system playtest. And as you said, this is being done by within Marvel, Marvel is packaging its game system and probably loads of content. So I would recommend you go listen to that. I think I'll have more to say on it. It was a really good review. Now mind you, I haven't read too much more about that. Apologize. Yeah, as you can tell, it's a, it's Friday afternoon here. I had to shift outside. I got interrupted earlier when I was trying to finish the second half. So now it's a walking podcast. But yeah, Friday afternoon. And also a long weekend here coming up. Monday's a holiday, Anzac Day, which maybe we'll have a lot later. But yeah, getting back to this, check out Jason's review. As I said, I haven't read much about the system, but it, it sounded... It sounded like it's got the start of a pretty good system that if you're looking for specifically a Marvel superheroes game, this might be you know, a good, more modern take. It sounds like it's trying to simplify the dice mechanics using only V6s. It's got some neat effects, so it seems to be putting in some of the effects where on certain rolls you can get like something extra spectacular so that you can you know, exclaim Excelsior or whatever it is that you would like to do. But anyway, I think the the mechanics for this kind of a game would be less important to me because I would pick it up probably as either if I was in a group or my son was interested in it. Not that I'm not interested in it. But Jason also... Not to take too much away from his review, what he hit on a few key points that kind of line up the way I would look at this, that this seems to be kind of the kind of game you'd want to do as a one-shot or filler, because it could be very easy to run. Folks may want to play their favorite character. And this actually prompted something that I seem to remember, that right now I would definitely look at it as playing your, I mean, not favorite character, but any character. Picking it up, playing running the system, not being too concerned with all of the mechanics and outcomes short of having a nice session. I remember when this came out and I first got the set, I, I do think there was there were two strains of thought I was going through. Is Obviously, it was neat to see the characters statted and, as I mentioned, the different source books were great to get. And as each module introduced different characters you could kind of collect them so it was almost like a almost like a little bonus the the modules were written with certain characters in mind it got obviously modified and we did that but it gave you a chance to play those characters maybe add them to your your collection the second train of thought was really the thing that at that, at that time interested me and those of us that played more was the way to create your own characters. And I remember doing it both ways. I remember doing kind of a, you know, the random power generation. So the equivalent of, you know, just 
ro ro rolling, you know, 3d6 or 46 drop one, just going with what you have. We would do the random generation just to see what we'd come up with and see if you could make something interesting out of it. And also do a bit of customization because we just really seemed interested in making our own heroes. I don't know that I'm as interested in that now. Still interesting, but I think I'm more apt to if I was playing this to try to play one of the characters, especially because, again, so much content for the cinematic universe has been built and it's in popular culture. I guess just a few other notes on how this is being delivered. And I don't want to sound like I'm ranting too much or too negative, because as I said before, I, I think people had wondered, and I say people had wondered, things I've read, and especially when I found out that there was a, still a Marvel, the, the phase rip community, and the content, they wondered at some point whether Marvel, Disney, would lower the hammer, or now that they've, they've seemed to create so much more, at what point would they license a game? And the answer is obviously they're creating their own. And it does seem like the way they're going about it is strategic, not strategic, I'm not sure, but they're, they're being more deliberate. The, the one thing that, I'm, eh, for, for me, doesn't really fit, but I can totally understand why they're doing it, is the playtest rules, essentially, <laughs> selling them. And I, I would just say that I, I would not be interested in buying playtest rules. I could understand if they did a, a quick start and sold it. But I, you know, I guess one, one thing that I'd be leery on is, well, I'd rather just wait until the game was done, at least the first version, so that if you're buying a smaller version, you're at least buying what they have out. And obviously there'll be changes and mistakes, but I, I, I think, again, given probably what they have planned, given the fan base, um, given the fact that those who do buy it probably fall into a few different camps, maybe overlapping serious Marvel fans, serious gamers, maybe even just people who are interested, and and hopefully through that, this is what I don't know, but hopefully through that, and I, I guess I've just used Jason as an example, it sounds like by doing that, hopefully you have a good avenue to kind of give feedback, discuss it, so that they can make changes. I, I would get the sense that that's exactly it, and from what Jason said, with the characters they provided, they're going to run through, you know, several playtests. So I'm imagining that the folks that are really interested in this, or even just curious, would go through that process. And hopefully it generates good feedback. Um, yeah, as I said, <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't actually complain too much about it, because again, I mean, there's two things, really, for the price of it, just like a lot of games, for the price of it and what you get, you, you could probably do a lot with it. So, you know, compare that to, especially over here in Australia, the ticket prices for the, uh, the next Marvel feature in cinema. Uh, you, you probably, for one standard admission, you probably get the playtest rules easily. And, well, it's, it's set up for D6, and even if it was polyhedrals, you're all set. So, again, it's probably not such a big thing, but it's one of those things that 
because it's Marvel and because of how they're doing it, they can obviously get away with. But that 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 that's a side because I do think that hopefully in the larger scheme, if this gets put together in the right way, it creates a better end product. And then of course we'll get into the uh, splat books, I guess you'd call them, adventures, etc. So uh, let's let's hope that that's the way it goes. And you know for those playing i know definitely i'll keep listening to jason's uh, pod for thoughts because i'm definitely interested in it um it's making me definitely nostalgic and it's also something that i think if my son continues to get a get interest in marvel and if we try the older game this this may be something that he might be the you know the prime demographic and if they do end up creating anything close <laughs> to the, the equivalent of the cinematic universe for RPG systems, then they'll probably be in good shape. So we'll see. So there's probably more I can say on on Marvel and larger thoughts, etc. But that might be enough for for I guess addressing just what inspired me to put this out. Uh, in line with that, and this will lead into recommendations. There is a great series right now doing the original TSR Marvel superheroes actual play over on a podcast I mentioned before cantrips and coffee which is great and if you're not familiar with it link will be in the notes but this is a podcast where a group of guys is essentially looking at anything but D&D with the mindset of trying out different systems and they've gone through a lot my gosh so I, I started listening they had done Cthulhu they did some DCC They've kind of moved on from there. They've also done some reviews as they do each each set of actual plays. Talk a little bit about inspiration. And, which, I, quick reason why I became a fan is the, or I'd say a reason why I became a quick fan is the, the, the inclusion of coffee. So that's, that's the quick catch for me. And the fact that they definitely spend time talking about the different coffees that they're consuming, comparing, recommending. So yeah, really, really great group of guys. Highly recommend you check them out. Uh, one for the Marvel, two for all of the other uh, content. So that is a repeated recommendation, but new recommendation that I got from them, uh, Potions and Potpourri, which I heard on their podcast probably as an ad spot and went over and checked it out and have really been enjoying it. So Potions and Potpourri is a mainly D&D discussion show, but not limited to it. And I just started with a few of the earlier episodes and the latest one, um, Kayla and Keisha. And I will just put in a note, I am always interested in finding podcasts that do not sound like me. And if you can't tell, it's <laughs> that they don't sound like a... A, a man who'd be characterized as white growing up in the USA. Not, not that I'm against any of those things per se, but I guess to, just to just to summarize that I'm definitely interested anytime uh, that I come across diverse voice podcasts and just like with the explosion of tabletop RPG resources, content, etc. online, I think we're seeing that in podcasts, which is great. So yeah, check out Potions and Potpourri. 
the last one in particular. So definitely go back on the earlier episodes as I'm doing, but the last episode is pretty cool because they talk about streamlining combat, um, which is, is actually something I need to uh, give more thought to because I've noticed that in the 5e games that I've played, not just the ones with my son who's getting pretty high level mainly because that it's the you know the campaign of the story we're playing but even when i've done combat for some other one shots who've been in it at lower levels or mid level everybody has been at the point where they quickly feel the combat's a slog and i liked how they approached it and some of the tips they've given so yeah that's a really 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 great set of quick tips that i've taken away from them uh, so hopefully we'll we'll be we'll be listening for more I think that's about it. Um, don't know what else to leave you guys with other than something I've thought of in watching uh, the recent Marvel movies. And everybody's got their favorite. And as I said before, I've, I'm not even sure if I've seen all of them. Probably have. And mostly if I did not catch them the first time since my son got into them and we put ourselves into the Disney Marvel Star Wars universe. I- I've definitely then watched them with him. Um, and I was not, with the exception of probably X-Men and Spider-Man, a huge Marvel follower. But I've, I've started to kind of characterize some of my favorite movie, movie moments. So the cinematic universe moments, not including the shows, although there have been some, some pretty cool show episodes. But I, I'm keeping a running list of the ones that I like the most. And so far these are the non they're, they're non-combat, non-big like big scene moments, so you know it's not the either climactic battle, any of the battles, or power's origin. They're more like dialogue snippets, or dialogue and scenes. I'd say right now, I'll go in the, the top order. So number one, <laughs> uh, two movies that I enjoyed more thoroughly than I thought I would. And it was almost entirely due to the cast. And, well, the stories didn't hurt because I think they didn't take themselves too seriously. Not many of the Marvel movies do. At least not all times. But in, I guess, the second Ant-Man movie, Michael Pena's soliloquy on the (laughs) uh, quotes used truth serum is fantastic. (laughs) I love him. I love just about everything that he appears in. But... His monologue, in particular, going back to start with his grandmother who has a jukebox that plays all Morrissey, uh, which led me down the rabbit hole of finding out why uh, Morrissey is so big in Mexico and the connection to mariachi singing, which is a real thing. And and a a university friend from a while ago had kind of pointed me in that direction. so, So that, yeah, so that is like one of my top Marvel moments for reasons that probably only... A few of the personalities, if not just one, of my one fan will appreciate. Number two now is, and again, not not to give any spoilers, but it's the mid-credits or post-credits. It's, it's the end scene of uh, Shang-Chi, uh, the Ten Rings, Legend of Ten Rings. <laughs> and you'll know it. Uh, yeah, that scene. Just, just everything about it. Start to finish. Fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed that movie. My son was in particular really, really excited to go see that movie and enjoyed it. So uh, that that's that's number two. So that scene is number two moment. And number three, 
<laughs> is pretty much about any snippet of dialogue from the Thor Ragnarok movie, especially the ones involving Thor, Korg, Hulk. <laughs> um, actually, and, and Loki, Valkyrie. Yeah, I, I mean, the too, too, many, too many to mention. But yeah, all those snippets, again, I guess there's a new Thor movie coming out. And so, again, if it's, if it's kind of done in that mindset, uh, that, that's, another, that's another one that uh, just, yeah, I could, <laughs> I could probably just watch it for kind of most of the back-and-forth dialogue between, like, that set of characters in different scenes. Definitely worth it. So there you go. There you go. Marvel movie scene recommendations you never wanted to hear. All of the bonus content that you get when you have to look things up. I might do more of these walking podcasts if not for the wind. So if I get back and if I actually listen to this and it's horrible, maybe I'll redo it. If I don't and put it up and you can't understand anything, again, to my fan, I apologize. But it's good because I can get some walking in. And especially now that we're, we're getting some beautiful weather. I enjoy it. But yeah, yeah, this is, uh, this is about it for me. I hope everyone is doing well, uh, staying safe. I'll also, if I can remember, I'll put in the link to Goodman Games' Romance of the Cyclops Con coming up in May, where you'll find everything for your gaming needs, mostly DCC, MCC, 5e, with hopefully a heavy emphasis on the Goodman 5e adventures, which are always nice. And they just announced the 7th. I think it's the 7th. I hope I'm not losing track. Original adventure reconstructed, or I'm sorry, reimagined. <laughs> Getting that wrong because I'm not sitting in front of my my resources. Uh, which is going to be the Dark Tower, which <laughs> looks fantastic and already is is now again putting me on the back putting me on my uh you know my back foot when it comes to trying not to put money towards too many kickstarters products etc but i have the feeling i'll be getting that one which i don't know what they're going to sell it for but it'll probably end up costing about seven hundred dollars because of the shipping to australia but I'm sure it'll be good. Anyway, yeah, check that out. Um, great con. Definitely check out the dealer hall, which gets better every year. In fact, even if you don't register, I'm pretty sure they have opened it up to anyone who, I guess, registers, sets up an account in the past. I don't know that that's going to be true this year, but I think the cost to actually get a badge is usually pretty low and then a minimal cost per game. So there you go. Anyway, that's about it. Enjoy your games. Cheers.